Another week and hello and welcome to the latest edition of Red Kite. Uh, my name's Toby and I'm joined uh, this week by the start of the show by Ellie and Avril. Hi guys, how are you both doing? I'm alright, what about you? Uh, I'm good, I'm pretty good. How was your, <laughs> how was your week? My week was very good. I mean, busy, just broken up from school, but yeah, good week, same as normal. Pretty sound. Uh, It was a bit hectic for me, but also pretty good. How was your week? It was all right, kind of boring because of school, but glad it's the half term now. Pretty (laughs) standard, yeah, absolutely, heading towards Halloween. So, lots coming up on Red Kite. As always, we have a packed show for you. You know we do. Uh, So, Ellie, what have we got coming up? Um, So we're looking forward to a bit of teen music and also interviewing MP Alex Serbel. So you've got my show, which is very unserious. Then you've got uh, an MP, a literal elected representative. Yeah. Very good. Uh, And that'll be just after six o'clock if you want to tune in for that. Uh, And Abra, what else is on the way? Uh, So we've got also poetry um, that we did kind of about like elements well, most of them are about fire, right. but there's... Ah, mine's about Earth, you see. There you Odd go. One out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we watched this movie on Wednesday, which was called, um, which is called Now, and it was about climate change. And I, we're actually going to... Some people are actually going to interview the person who made the movie and sent it to us today as well, which will be Mimi and Johan. In a, in a rather cultural turn, uh, that's right, we will be reviewing a film. Uh, on the show, I won't be doing that because I haven't seen it. But we will be doing it. Don't, <laughs> yes. worry. We, don't worry, we do have people who have watched the thing. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't really be a film review without someone who's actually seen the film. I don't know. Have you heard some film reviews? It doesn't look like, <laughs> it's, like it's like a guessing game. What yes. is it about? Exactly. They don't tell you what it's about. They just say, oh, it was a good film. Go watch it." <laughs> Very good. Five stars. Uh, okay, are we ready for some music now? I think we probably are. Yeah, yeah. We are. Uh, to kick off, that's what you do on the radio, you play songs. So, without further ado, maybe the UK's official number one. We'll know by about 12, uh, 5.45 today. It's, it's all happening as we speak. Um, <laughs> it's New Adele. Have a listen. There you go, that's New Adele. <laughs> When we are both so deeply stuck in our 
And we are back in the studio. That was Adele with her new single, Easy On Me. I am here in the studio with Henry and Hello. Johan. Hi. Uh, so uh, we are now joined by a very special guest, Mosa. Mosa, are you there? I'm here. Excellent. You are live on East Leeds FM. Thank you for joining us so much. How are you doing today? Do you know what? I'm great today. Like, oh. I'm, in a great, I'm in a great mood and I love that track you just played. I was bopping along in my back room. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, we uh, as 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 Mimi said earlier, we absolutely stan Adele here at the station. So um, excellent. We're getting that Friday feeling already. Or maybe it's not a Friday feeling song. Maybe it's a more like sort of easing us into into life. Um, Mimi, you are going to open with our very first question for Mosa. So uh, please, let's find out a little bit more about who she is. Hold up a second. Sorry, I wasn't prepared. Uh... Oh, you weren't, you weren't prepared. You know, before when I said, oh, are you ready, Mimi? And you were looking at your phone. Um, Mimi's a teenager, listeners out there, so it's all right for me to rip into her. Go on then. Um, what inspired you to work at Hyde Park Picture House? Oh, my God. Do you know what? It's probably one of the dreamiest jobs I've ever had. <laughs> so I think I'm just really grateful that they let me work there, firstly. I think um, I've been going there for a very long time, watching films, and I always just think everyone's so friendly there. And I love all of the films that they choose. They're so varied and interesting. So I think I've always just felt like very comfortable there and I wanted to spend more time. So I've only just started working with them this last year. So I still feel really excited about the job. What's, uh, what was one of the best elements for you in your role, Mosa? What's one of the best elements in my role? That's a really good question. There's so many. I think um, in my role, because I'm the creative engagement officer, it's really exciting because what I get to do is meet loads of different people and organisations and individuals and charities. And I get to come up with really cool, interesting events with them. So it's exciting because everyone's got brilliant ideas and we're always really willing to listen if somebody says, hey, I really want to do this event and have some poetry with it. It means that we get to experience loads of different things. So I think so far that's my favourite bit is meeting people. So can you tell us about your job at Hyde Park Picture House? Yeah, so like I said before, my job is very much about meeting different people, coming up with ideas with them and showcasing what it is that they do. Um, another part of it is looking at what kind of films do we think audiences might like. So there's a bunch of us in the team that will look at what are the different new films that are coming out, what are the old films that are coming out. It's very much about thinking, what do our audiences want to see? What maybe have they never seen before? Or showcasing different places around the world that we can show really interesting films from. It's a really big variety, variety of things, really. But mostly it's about what do we want to see and who do we want to see it with? Yeah, so um, that is really interesting to hear like a little bit more about your job. And I think it's really cool. And But I do have one question, actually, and that is how did you get into climate activism? 
how did I get into it? Do you know what? I was, it's one of those things where you're just really aware in the background. I was thinking, feeling quite guilty. Oh, I should pay more attention. I should pay more attention. But then um, I did some training with um, SAIL, which is Sustainable Arts in Leeds. And they do a really great training that makes you carbon literate, which you gives you loads of different tools and knowledge about climate change. And after I'd done that, it just made me realise, actually, there's some things that I can do. It doesn't feel too overwhelming. And then I started to watch more films and I started to become more interested in climate justice and looking at climate change as a human rights issue. So I know in this film now um, that you've watched, it's very much about youth activism. And I feel that, you know, the more that young people engage with it, the really exciting it gets. So sharing, getting to share films about that kind of topic and motivate more people. That feels like a, uh, something that we can actually achieve is by spreading the word. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I do my little bit here and there and I'm trying to do more and more to be engaged with the climate uh, crisis that we're in. Uh, it's really amazing that you mentioned, Mosa, that you did the sale workshop. Like I coincidentally did it today, um, this morning, and um, I felt like the, it, there's so much, and I don't know, Johan and Mimi, if you felt this in our sessions looking at climate change and the climate emergency, but sometimes you're a little bit overwhelmed. But at the end, they were like, you know, but you, there are things that we can do. Um, Johan, do you feel that you come away from these sessions with a sense of doom? Or do you come away with a sense of, yes, we can, th this is doable? Um, I come away sort of a, mostly a doable, but sometimes a bit of a doom. Because when we suggest something as young people, the government just sometimes don't listen. Yeah, sometimes it's it's about making change in ourselves and our communities and sometimes it's about systematic change and it does feel like the people that make that change. Yeah, do you think that the the, the people with that power just don't don't pay attention? Uh yeah. What about you Mimi? Do you sometimes feel a bit overwhelmed by the the challenges that we face with the climate emergency or are you someone that is going no we'll sort this um for me it's definitely a mixture like i know that probably is a way we can make it better but there's no way we can 100 percent go back mm. from climate change and there will always be something that affects us yeah well speaking of which obviously this is uh this this film that we watched is going to be on at hyde park pitch house mimi uh, what's your next question from Rosa? So, um, yeah, so keeping on the theme of films, I would like to ask, what are you most excited for from the film festival? Um, so from the UK Green Film Festival that's coming up in November, um, they've got, they're a really brilliant, brilliant organisation and we've been working with them for the last 10 years or so. And they put out every year uh, a few different do new documentaries that have been made all about climate change. So they think they've got five documentaries this year and we're getting to show two of them at Hyde Park Picture House, which is really exciting. So of those two uh, documentaries, I know there's one that you've seen now, but there is another one as well. And it's called Josie Gold, which I thought was amazing. And I really would recommend you going to see it if you can. It's all about um, the... So when uh, it's all about colonial legacy of mining in South Africa. So I know it sounds very niche and very specific, but what's interesting about it is there's all of these um, kind of dumping grounds for mines in South Africa, and it provides a lot of health issues for the local communities. So the whole documentary is looking at how these past historic actions, that kind of breaches of human rights, 
are still having an effect today. So I really love that film. And when we're when we're showing it, Josie Gold, uh, we've actually got uh, a wonderful man called Cy Murray who's going to be introducing it. He does lots of work with Racial Justice Network and Climate Collective. But also, amazingly, the actual director is going to be zooming in all the way from Cape Town and doing a live Q&A with us. So we're going to get to ask her lots of questions. Um, so I think that's amazing that's coming up, as well as the documentary now that you've seen. And we'll tweet that out, but uh, Josie Gold can be seen uh, with the live director's Q&A at 3.15pm on the 7th of November at the Leeds University Union. Is that right, Moza? Have I got the right? Yes. It's, it's almost as if I'm reading it off the website. Um, Johan, what's your next question for Mosa? Uh, so my final question is, for the future event for COP26, is what do you hope to achieve from it? Oh, God. I hope that people listen. I think just like you were saying before, it's frustrating when young people and everyone is shouting really loudly about what needs to be done. And then the organisations and the politicians just seem to be ignoring it or trying to say, oh, well, maybe we don't need to do that much or maybe we should still protect the fossil fuels. And I think if just more politicians will actually listen to what the problem is and maybe try and be a bit less greedy, I think that's my hope, really, because I think we need the politicians on side and we need more of them that believe in what we believe in. I think, yeah, that's my hope. I think everyone's doing the right job on the ground. And I think young people are right on and they know what they want. I think we just need politicians to listen to us and actually care a little bit more about our futures. And hopefully part of that backbone of those conversations is uh, we talk a lot about music here at uh, East Leeds FM, but film, obviously a hugely important thing, whether that's documentaries or just telling stories. So thank you so much for your time and uh, and programming. And yeah, looking forward to uh, seeing Josie Gold as well as the film we watched now. Uh, so Mimi has one last question for you, which is probably the most important question, really. Yes. Uh, what song do you want played? Oh, okay. Um, I would love Like Sugar by Shaka Khan because it is a proper bop. And I always put it on when I'm working at home too much at my desk and I need to stretch my legs. I always put that on and have a good old dance around the room. So, yeah, that's my choice. <laughs> Excellent. Well, this is the absolute banger. I hope you're all dancing at home. Uh, this is Mosa uh, Mapefa's choice. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Like Sugar by Shaka Khan.
Hello folks, welcome back to the Red Kite. Hello folks, welcome back to Red Kite. My name's Henry, the broadcasting worker here, and I'm joined by two very special guests. Uh, we've got uh, Rafi, how are you doing Rafi? Hi. You alright? Yeah. Yeah, and we've got Gabriel, how are you doing Gabriel? I'm good. Good stuff. Um, so, um, these guys, we're going to review uh, the film as part of the UK Green Festival that we watched in a little bit, but these guys, I just wanted to get them on the show, because they are... I'd say they're legends. I'd say they're absolute legends. Would you agree with that statement, Rafa, that you're a legend? Yeah. Yeah, okay, excellent. So they just rocked up to the chapel today, Chapel FM Arts Centre, East Leeds, if you've not heard of us, and they said, can we just have a look around and join in? Now, I would never, ever have done that at your age, so that's really cool. Um, Gabby, you've been here before, is yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so but... tell us about the first time you came into so this building. I came here, I came here with Elliot and my... And my I, came, I came here with my dad and I met Elliot... Uh, my dad was looking for Tony, and Elliot was here. So then he showed me around, and we saw upstairs, the studios, and all that. What was the thing that you took away with you that made you go, oh, I'd like to come back here? Uh, honestly, it would have to be the upstairs, because, like, the way you could control the cameras, lights, and the whole idea was it was actually pretty interesting. Nice one. Excellent. So you're interested in the tech side yeah, of yeah. things, yeah, managing things. Um and uh, Rafi, this is your first time here. Um, yeah. What did you expect from the outside when you look at this building? What goes on? What do you think's inside us? At first, I thought it was like some sort of museum. Uh, oh, cool! Like a, a museum of like lots of old ancient relics. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, what did you? You said something really interesting. What you expected it to be when you came in yeah. upstairs. What did you say to me? 
a little bit more like modern and old fashioned. You were you were surprised that it was modern rather than old fashioned, yeah? Yeah, yeah it's so like a mix of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think we're really good at combining all the old you know, this building's really old with, with the new, which is really cool. Yeah. And you interested in tech as well, Rafi? Yeah. Yeah. Are you uh, are you a music person? Do you listen to a lot of music? Yeah. What sort of stuff do you enjoy listening to? Um I don't know many of the names. But I do like a lot of music. Nice one. Excellent. Good to hear. And Gabriel, you came in and you were like, I've, I've got a suggestion to play on the radio. Yeah, yeah. What was your suggestion for the radio? It was Fair Trade by Drake. Excellent. So tell us, why do you like Drake? You said he's a local lad? Yeah, yeah. So tell us a bit about him. Um, so I'm black and he's black. He, and he's also half Jewish. So I've learned about World War Two and that. And I, and I think it... it, it as well as it being like a harsh subject and that, but I also think it's pretty interesting. Wow, so you sort of really identify with yeah. him, yeah, show a lot of stuff. And what about as a musician? Well, he's a rapper, right? He does yeah. hip-hop music. Do you enjoy hip-hop? What is yeah, it yeah. about his him specifically, his lyrics that click with you? Uh, I, I like how it's like, it, it's catchy. Like, it gets stuck in my head a lot. Nice one. Well, it's going to stuck get stuck in your head, dear listeners. After this, we're going to be reviewing the film now. But for now, I might need to fade it out because it might have some swears he's in. It might have some swear words. So, yeah. listeners, beware. But uh, this is uh, Gabriel's Choice. And this is uh, Drake with Fair Trade uh, featuring Travis Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling young, but they treat me like the OG. And they want the tea on me, I swear these bitches nosy. Said he put some money on my head, I guess we gon' see. I won't put no money on his head, my niggas owe me. I gotta be single for a while, he can't control me. Uno those traits in a race, they can't hold me. And I show my face in a case, so you know it's me. Imitation isn't flattery, it's just annoying me. And I'm too about it. And the dirt that they threw on my name turned to soil, and I grew up about it. Time for y'all to figure out what y'all gon' do about it. Big wheels keep rolling, rolling. I'm outside, 29, G5, Seaside. I've been losing friends and finding peace. But honestly, that sound like a fair trade to me. If I ever heard one and I'm still here. Outside, frontline, Southside. I've been losing friends and finding peace. Honestly, that sound like a fair trade to me. Look, don't invite me over if you throw another pity party. Looking back, it's hard to tell you where I started. I don't know who loved me, but I know that it ain't everybody. I can never love her, she a busybody. Baby, if you want me, can't be turning up with everybody. Nah, can't be fucking on this anybody. Yeah, I got feelings for you, that's the thing about it. Yeah, you know that it's something when I sing about it. Yeah, mama used to be on disability, but gave me this ability, and now she walking with her head high and her back straight. I don't think you feeling me, I'm out here being everything they said I wouldn't be or couldn't be. I don't know what happened to them guys that said they would be. I said, see you at the top, and they misunderstood me. I hold no resentment in my heart, that's that maturity, and we don't keep it on us anymore, it's with security. I'm outside, 29, G5. Seaside, I've been losing friends and finding peace. But honestly, that sound like a fair trade to me. If I ever heard one and I'm still here outside, frontline, south side, I've been losing friends and finding peace. Honestly, that sound like a fair trade to me. So you watched the film on Thursday uh, Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about the film. 
What set, set up the film? Tell us what what is it about? So it was kind of basically they got um, activists, like mostly young activists, kind of like maybe like 20s or whatever. And they had like different like sections for each one. So there was this one who was like um, had his own kind of like company and he was like planting trees, like trying to find his best to like plant the most trees. And there was one who was like German and she'd be going to like um, summits or whatever. And they had like each section, they had some from like summit in berlin in like um different continents or whatever like greta in it um and they had like interviewing um and it was actually really good how it was like set up in the cinematics and how it was kind of like portrayed as for like climate change something that i i wondered is that uh, greta thunberg is used so much in the media and, mm. and she you know she uses her platform a lot right she's very visible and i think most people when you go who's like a young climate activist but oh it's Greta Thunberg in the film was she sort of featured quite prominently or did it give space for other activists what are your thoughts on that Johan you nodded your head um, first of all, I think there was quite a lot of um, all of them because some there were quite a lot of bits of just activists from Germany America and just other continents and there was a lot of because she's like one of the a famous activists mm. so I think they would have shown her because without because she was like the one who started the Fridays for Future mm. so I think it was sort of equal actually okay you felt if you felt people were given different opinions different space to discuss things yeah. tell me more about this film then Ellie, what's your thoughts on it? My thoughts on this film is that it was a giant collection of activists, climate change, protests, and all things to do with the fact that this is like a big global problem that the government seems to be avoiding yeah. and <laughs> ignoring. And that needs to change. So, yeah. It's something that uh, we touched on with Mosa about the, the different ways we can affect change and there's the difference between you know our own individual carbon footprint and we as individuals or little groups and small communities we can go and do xyz fix the problem and then there's the much bigger wider scale of systematic things that you know we we maybe don't have much power on mm. would you say this film you say about the government like you, you went to the government there in that description does this film focus more on that wider scale rather than you should do a little bit of recycling, or was it a balance? It focuses on both in a way. So there's speaking to young climate activists. At the beginning, it was talking about how they got into activism, so this could be applied to young people themselves, how they might have found out about climate change and the role of education in climate change, but also it was the government as well. It was looking at the climate summit and... Also, Greta Thunberg of, Thunberg, of course, and it was just talking to everyone in focusing on everything to do with climate change. It didn't really have one certain message that yeah. it had to, to bring across. Well, apart from climate change, obviously. <laughs> that's, but. The, that's the big one. <laughs> yeah. So you felt it's quite broad then. You felt it didn't hone in too much. There was quite a lot you could take away from yeah, it. Yeah, there was because talked to a lot of people about so many different projects and also, the presentation of it was very powerful, like mm. the combination of music and the footage of different protests. There was like there was one was it in Berlin, mm, yeah. where there was over like two hundred and fifty thousand people, and it showed mm. you footage of that and all the different speeches. And it was it kind of in but in a good way. It kind of kind of was a smack in the face. Right. So you felt 
quite physically moved by it like yeah. just smack your face it really yeah. hit you it did wow Abril do you feel the same you're nodding yeah. on there yeah yeah because it had it showed as I said it had like different footage of like the um oh my god what they called the protests and mm. they had they showed like the placards that people had like there's no planet b mm. and they had like some people saying that like we're doing our best but it's not like the best is not good enough that kind mm. of thing and it's like trying to as ellie was saying like the government can't really like they're not doing much about it they're like saying oh you should recycle or whatever but most plastic out there isn't even recyclable nowadays mm. yeah like so and also like there was this footage like footage of like i can't remember where it was but it was a summit and it was like um and Greta Thunberg was there and um, Donald Trump was there as well. But when Greta was speaking, he like left, like he mm. didn't even stay for it. Like I, I like he just left, like he didn't even want to be inv involved with it because he's the one thinking that it's not even real. You know, we're making it up like because there's some people out there that don't trust the science of it. If you get what I mean, and think that it's not real and we're just making all this up, but it is real. Like there's, you know, there's animals dying out there, habitats being destroyed and like we're like we're on the brink of kind of like with extinction or whatever because mm. it's affecting humanity as well i want to throw a question out to you so you know you mentioned trump and he's obviously been very you know he, he took the america out of the uh, paris climate agreement he's a figure that has been very dismissive of issues around climate change but at the end of the day he's not the president of the united states anymore so i wonder sure. about this film even though it's from 2020 it's not even a year old do you think that it was still relevant because obviously it's a different government now in america that have taken it back into paris or, or do you think like things are moving so quickly or do you still think it had that real resonance to say important things i think it was still kind of even if it was when trump was still president mm. i still think it was like in the present moment even when joe biden has is now the new president it was still kind of felt in the moment like it was happening right now this second because mm. most of it was if you get what i mean because there's still protests going out there there's still like summits there's still climate change going mm. on and we're like um some people aren't doing hardly to do any about it but i feel like nowadays people are actually you know trying to help it so i think there's actually hope that we can actually like save it amazing Johan, we talked before didn't we when we were chatting to Mosa about hope and did you come out of this documentary feeling that that boost of hope or again for you is it still you can't get that nagging doom out of the back of your head uh yeah because the things that were said in the film is still going on even though there are some minor changes like joe biden is now president mm. but there's still some there's most of the things that are still happening now but but still it's still really bad on the climate because it's still being affected just as bad but with just the minor changes like electric cars and that yeah i'm gonna throw one last question out to all of you so obviously this uk green film festival that most is platforming here in leeds um with josie's gold as well as now uh what i guess like what film what type of documentary what would you like to see in film that might encourage other people do you want more of these like hard hitting documentaries do you want true life stories or would you like to see something a bit more fictional or using fantasy what do you think film could do in the going forwards that could talk about the climate emergency ellie you leaned forward as if you <laughs> had an answer yeah because i myself have a strong obsession with the dystopian world oh, yeah. and there's only a couple of films out there that really cover what will happen like there's all these you know with the hunger games maze mm. runner all that kind of stuff that's all a totally different story but in a way right this is going to really sound really weird but kind of a 
more dystopian future that is more reality like that like dystopian future is almost impossible but mm. kind of focusing more on the aspect of climate change like sea level rise and forest fires and pollution and what is going to happen after that because mm. i don't think the public really knows like you've got mm. all these different fan- fantastical worlds which definitely won't happen because of climate change mm. but I think people just want to know what will happen. Mm. Like what what will happen in 20, 50, 100 years even. Yeah. And and I think there's a big thing people go, well how does it affect me? You know, I I you know, how am I how am I living in Seacroft and Leeds? How does the climate affect me? So a film about that. Yeah, interesting. I'm going to go to Johan. What would you like to see film do that maybe tackles the climate emergency? Um, maybe use like some be- events that they think was real like on YouTube, I've seen a video of that explains what the future might be like, mm. and um, it. Well, I remember it says mate, potentially around two thousand five hundred, the Earth's just gonna flood, right? And there might just be volcanoes, and also a book that I've read, it was on. So the world was like flooded, and everything. Everything had like everyone had gone into like madness so they were all like in a tribe trying to kill each other so i think i mean yeah it's it might not happen but it might actually but uh maybe not the madness but it might actually happen if we don't try change things sooner or later Excellent, thank you, Hannah. And finally, Avril, what about you when it comes to film? I feel like that they should be, there could kind of be more hard, well, hard-hitting ones, but not too hard-hitting, if you get what I mean. Because I think that we need to kind of get the message out there instead of making it, oh, fairies and rainbows, the world is perfect, that kind of thing. But, like, if they had something that will actually, like, get into their mind, like, wait, this is happening right now, I need to do something about it. And kind of, as I said... We don't know for sure what will happen in the future because we're not time travelers. So, like, all these signs are saying that, like, the world's going to explode, like, mm. it's going to flood. Like, we don't know that for sure. So it's like... But I think, to be honest, I think it might it might flood if you go because if with the sea level's rising, if it, like, it's going to flood, isn't it? Like, it's going to, like, affect more, like, cities and affect more, like, coastal, mm. like, um, towns or whatever. But, like, as I said, we, we won't know. Well, uh, we'll just have to wait and find out or stop it either way. (laughs) Things will happen. Okay, so if you, dear listener, want to catch now this film we're talking about, about activism, it's a German film from 2020. You can uh, visit the Hyde Park Pitch House website, hydeparkpitchhouse.co.uk. It is at Leeds University Union on the 7th of November at 5.30 and very much well worth checking out. Any last thoughts on the film before we move on? the show anything else you'd like to just why people should check it out what why why yeah yeah why you why why it should be a film everyone should see one thing just just go watch it i mean yeah there's not much <laughs> you can say but just just go watch it there you go no spoilers but it's good <laughs> <laughs> excellent um well i guess the spoilers are like you know the earth's gonna die um <laughs> yeah, okay hey. so we're gonna play a little tune now why do you want to call me when you're high presumably high living on a mountain to avoid the climate catastrophe when the earth floods this is the arctic monkeys <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not by my side And as I am 
And welcome back to East Leeds of F- uh, East Leeds FM. We are back with Red Kai, and now we uh, meet. I am in the studio with Abril and Toby, and we are introdu- int- interviewing Toby on his show. Yeah, there's there's a show. Uh, I'm doing it, <laughs> and uh, you can ask me some things about it if you want. Wow, that's so amazing. Magical. So <laughs> w- why don't uh, uh, Toby pitch us? Teen music. So imagine the it's the the person on the street. You've stopped them. That you've got thirty seconds before they need to get into Tesco's to get their their tea for tonight. What's your pitch to sell teen music? Teen music now bringing harassment on the streets of Leeds. <laughs> so uh, so basically, uh, teen music is a bit of everything. It's obviously made by and for teenagers. Um, although I'm at the older older end of that now. I'm seventeen. But basically. Uh, we are playing some of the biggest records from that week, some throwbacks as well. Uh, we're getting lots of people around the chapel, lots of younger people involved. Uh, and we're going to talk about various issues that are relevant to young people. Generally silly. There is room to be serious, though. And people are always <laughs> welcome to come, get in touch, enjoy the nonsense and come on down. That's, that sounds that sounds sick. <laughs> Not nonsense, my favourite genre. <laughs> well, of course, it would never be serious with me hosting it. People always say to me, you know, you do all your sort of serious politics stuff, and I do. So they assume that's what I do on the radio. It's really not. It's just, just really not. It's absolute nonsense. Just politics yeah, exactly. show, just starring Toby with Toby. <laughs> politics with Toby. Vote for someone. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm really, I'm an old man, right? You might tell I'm got, my, I'm losing my mind. I'm making lots of mistakes on the show. You can yeah, tell, we can I'm, tell. I'm ancient. Yeah. We 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 thought we could tell in the last segment that happened. So tell me, as as young people, what what is teen music as a genre? Like, what are teenagers listening to? I'm not, I'm not necessarily asking what do you listen to, but what are the touchstones, the genres, the artists that you think are like define this this generation you guys sort of young gen x's i think mimi is dying to say something right now <laughs> oh so yeah I'm, I'm yeah gonna, i'm gonna okay. i just thought you needed the loom mimi with your little dance. <laughs> go on then mimi what's it the vibe it is a show where we uh, bring teenagers like ourselves in and we play songs that we like and it's like genres say it could be indie or alternative or rock and it's just any music that teenagers like so so so, so you're saying in answer to my question that there's it's just a, it's just a bit of everything this generation is the no pinning it down there's like so if, if you were to ask someone in the late 70s they'd go oh, it's probably punk music but you're saying it's a bit of everything I Abril th- what's your vibe on this I think that to be honest nowadays most like um, teens are like listening to like maybe K-pop or, or like rock music like you know like ma- um, <laughs> Skin or like the My Chemical Romance because I've got like Loads and like pop as well because I've got loads of friends who are like listening to My Chemical Rona- Romance Ma- and Manaskin and like talk. My Chemical Romance and Ma- Manaskin they're not K-pop. No, I meant rock. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are definitely uh, K-pop. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> jump. I'll jump in here. I think you can pin us down, but it's complicated. So I think you go back maybe ten years. It was all about what was in the top forty. Uh, and you know we've had phases. We had a lot of very synthy pop music. You know where uh, older people always go. Oh, it all sounds the same because it's like burp, 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 burp. it does, doesn't it? That <laughs> sort of music, and we're sort of moving away from that now. I think one of the interesting things about Gen Z in particular is there is room for us to like older songs. I think in a way that there wasn't a few years ago because of streaming services and things like that. We explore. So a lot of music we listen to is sort of taking the mickey like songs from tiktok <laughs> yeah but we unironically listen to them semi-ironically listen to um, them but also like listen to new music hint hint my new album ha 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 exactly. <laughs> we'll be talking about <laughs> that in a, way a to pray of way music. to promote your new album well done <laughs> so exactly. i want to throw a challenge to you folks and undoubtedly my chemical romance are big but that they were big when i was a teenager i'm yeah. 33 right 15 years ago they were the band teenagers listened to they were all about angst their video is about them being in a school and no one gets me and that was the whole email emo phase and absolutely they're still popular but can't you get your own bands like what why is it you're still leeching off my but i i, I don't particularly <laughs> like, i'm just i'm being provocative yeah. but i, w- yeah, I want Henry. to know yeah, yeah, yeah. no one watches music videos anymore w- what? <laughs> what? No, we watch 15 second videos. Our attention span is so right. short. <laughs> literally. Point. We're uh, literally just on Spotify and just watch the little like clips they have of like <laughs> Dodger Cat just moving around. Like, <laughs> no, if they don't move fast enough, we lose attention. Man, I'm jumping on stage. All the songs are one minute, 30 seconds long. No, I think, I think, uh, I could come up with some examples for you. I think Young Blood um, oh, yeah. is probably like if you were to go a little bit younger than me, what are like. I was just Te- listening to some young blood. What, what a teenage, and you're a little bit younger than me. What a, what a teenager's <laughs> obsessed with young blood. That would be a good example of a quintessentially Gen Z pop star in Britain right now. I mm. would say y- young blood is iconic. Is young blood Brit- British? Are they from the UK? Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah he's, he's from up north. Yeah, he is. Like us. He's also a queer icon for you who don't know. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I should go and check out some young blood. That's what. Yes. That's what the kids yes. are into. Yeah, also, yeah. Bo Burnham. While you're at it. Okay. 
yeah. I um I listen I kind of I've been starting to actually listen to K-pop thanks to all the Squid Game TikToks that have been going on <laughs> with like you know they've been doing edits with like the song Money by Lisa oh, and right. it's, that's how I kind of started doing all the K-pop <laughs> on my playlist. They've every, taken you. <laughs> every every they've got you too. Every, every <laughs> aspect gradually over the last few years it's because of Netflix it lets sort of shows become hits and same with streaming services. Every aspect of Korean South Korean pop culture has sort of slowly sneakily sort of embedded itself and now like we just we consume korean media in a way we we really didn't a few K-pop years ago music right? is weird though i don't understand all you hear is this person doing this this person doing this it's this a lot no, but they dance they dance really good though you have to agree they actually like just because the they're hot it. doesn't give them an excuse <laughs> no no they actually do dance good have you seen like bts doing the they thing? do but i think they're overworked <laughs> horribly from what i've heard it's a really brutal music industry in, in South Korea but they, oh. they churn out the hits oh yeah because it's they very actually strict the there. it's very strict there with like the looks and all what like yeah. saying like you have to be skinny you have to be like can we move on yeah. from K-pop okay, yeah, can so, we move sorry, on from right, I brought it up some now. people will be upset okay. with my, that. my next question then is uh, is I was going to ask like where you you know you find your music from so um, like Toby how do you curate like what you know when you're planning your teen music show do you look at the top 40 like you know wh- where do you find the music for the show and then I guess where do you find the music that you know TikTok is one example yeah uh, well uh, I think you have to look at the chart because you have to compile some of the biggest records from the week at the beginning of the show we often play a couple of the biggest records of the week and that can be anything right um, but also you need to look at what people are playing on sites like TikTok in a way you absolutely didn't a few years ago uh, and you also need to see what people are talking about that week what's relevant to that week what's on people's Instagram stories mm. or TikTok stories that week uh, Mimi had something to uh, add there but also stick away from uh, Spotify's most popular playlist oh of course because it's all naff yeah on, and yeah. it's all just stuff that they want us to start listening to to get rid of all the stuff we actually listen yeah. to oh so you're suspicious of when something like Spotify advertises you do not hear playlist. anyone listening to Barbie algorithm. Girl in 2021 <laughs> 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 Henry, Henry. Well, then Henry you should go come to the parties I go to <laughs> Henry, no. never. Yeah, I get it at parties but no one listens to it in the spare time like yeah just gonna listen to this da, 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 speak like. for yourself yeah because also uh, with TikTok, <laughs> also with TikTok as well it's kind of like it's um it's also weird because there's like songs that were there since like 2015 and all of a sudden it's become popular again and you're yeah. and then you remember yourself listening to that it was the big hit and let's say it was like toxic by britney spears right and only like a few p- people listen to I, it i get toxic by Brit- uh, toxic toxic by britney spears <laughs> even i listen yeah, to that no, because let's say like it was like a song like that and it was like popular like that and you remember like jamming to our parties you know saying it's a bop or whatever or if but you're abro's age listening to it in the car yeah <laughs> oh then, but then now and then it's like gone for a bit like no one hardly listens to it anymore then all of a sudden tiktok's like brought it back and now everyone's like oh my god this is the best song ever when did this come out and you're like it, it. it came out with like in like 2010 well, or whatever. it came we're, out before that yeah i know but sorry toby speak we're listening to music <laughs> in a in a non-linear fashion now as you say songs are getting exactly as you say songs are getting big that have been out for what 10 years exactly suddenly, <laughs> it's so weird i've um, got a great example Give me your hit me with that example, Mimi. <laughs> I'm sorry, hit me with that. Hit me I'm over sorry. the head um, with it. Yeah, uh, rolling. Hit me, in... Mimi, one more time. No, Henry. All right, no. <laughs> oh, that, that's oh, a that, reference. That, t- that took me a while to actually yeah. understand. Uh, rolling <laughs> in the deep by Adele. It keeps going unpopular, then becoming popular yeah. again. That's a great example of it. For mm. sure. Um, for sure. It's yeah. There's a whole lot. It's it's a, a cesspit and it's glorious simultaneously. It's, yes. It's. it's 
we like a lot of garbage. And, and, and my, my last comment on what you were saying before, Henry, is, Henry, one thing we can impart to you, a bit of knowledge, oh, never yeah. trust an algorithm. Never ever. trust yeah. an algorithm. any situation. TikTok is wrong. Go to gay side of TikTok. No, because <laughs> what else is going on? It's like, apparently, like, now, all of a sudden, never going to give you up. That was out since in the 1970s. It's now becoming popular yeah, again. It's only popular so you can rickroll your friends. You've but still. <laughs> you've just been... I sh- we need to keep... <laughs> me and Henry should have collaborated on that. Just, just go... <laughs> Henry, <laughs> I think he's getting it ready. Gonna, you've I, just I, been I, Rick Roll. I'm going to point at you. Go, are you ready right, for we're it? We're ready, we're ready, right. You, t- let me know when you've got it on the right bit. I mean, yeah, just crack okay. on. I mean, the, okay. the, the moment's gone, but let's just let's oh. go with it. This okay. is a Rick Roll by Rick Astley. You have been a Rick Roll. Right, it's enough of that. Um, <laughs> although he's, uh, I'm Rick rolling you. He's oh, come back around and uh, done some gigs with. Uh, well, he's still alive. This. He was dead. They dug it. They dug him up. They dug him up. Um, <laughs> brought him back from the dead. Uh, Frankenstein style. <laughs> well, he's done some stuff with this next band we're going to play, oh, um, really? which which I think leads us nicely. Segway. Wow, professional radio here, folks. <laughs> so so he's done some stuff with Blossoms, who we're going to play next. So, uh, Toby, tell us why you were like, yeah, let's grab some Blossoms on. Well, I think Blossoms have, have gone from strength to strength. I think this is great. I think it, it, it sounds nostalgic and old, but also uh, you can get a whole lot uh, out of this record and it, it does sound different and unique. My only experience of Blossoms is at a hospital radio station a few years ago. The bloke I was mates with interviewed them at a festival. Apparently they were really rude to him, but I think they make great music. So here you go, it's Blossoms and careful. And you just got Blossom rolled. On East Leeds (laughs) FM.
Hi Alex, um, if you can hear me just to say that we're going to do another feature on poetry then we'll come to you. was Blossoms with Care For. You're listening to East Leeds FM and we care for you, dear listener, here at the radio station. Uh, I'm back joined by Ellie, Johan and Abril once again. Um, it's almost like we've gone back in time. <laughs> I know, I bet I'm sick of hearing us now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good advert. So if you are sick of hearing Ellie, Abril and <laughs> Johan, um, you can sign up a young person, or for your young person, to join our Next Generation courses, which start in a couple of weeks. Head on over to the website if you want someone to get involved with broadcasting, tech, music, all the good vibes. There'll be more information about that in the coming show. So earlier, I gave a little bit of a teaser to what we're doing. That was entirely uh, deliberate, and we're going to talk about some poetry that was written earlier. Is that correct, Ellie? That is correct. (laughs) Excellent. I'm glad I'm sticking to the song sheet. I I was too distracted by Mimi. Okay. Shout out to Mimi in there. (laughs) Um, So uh, what we need to do is do a little bit of setting up for this poetry. So it's Wednesday. You've watched the film or was this before you watched it? No, this was the week before, Henry, when you weren't here. (laughs) (laughs) I was at my own poetry night. Right. Set the scene. It's Wednesday, but not last Wednesday, the Wednesday before. Yes. Yes. Peter Spafford comes in, the the living legend that is. The director of words, one and only. The uh, D-O-W. How does he bring this to the table? What's his work uh, exercises? What's his style when it comes to delivering workshops? So what he did was he got us to, he gave us like the, like to write down the four elements, so fire, water, air, and earth. Mm-hmm. And he said to li- and he said like he gave us like five minutes, I think. And he just she just said to like write down random words that you come to mind as soon as you think of that word. Mm-hmm. And then he got us to pick an element and like make either like a story, a poem, and or like a piece of writing about like the words uh, or the element that you choose the chose. Excellent. Did you choose elements that you associate most with? So do you think you're a fiery person or a grounded person, April? What were you a- a- attracted to? I just picked fire because I like fire. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> stunning. Johan, what about you? What sort of appealed to you about this session? Um, it was interesting because we got to involve stuff that we do in our usual work or workshop because some of us mentioned... Um, uh, climate change in some of our words. So. Uh, one sec, Johan, you're a little bit muted, so I'm just going to pop you on a different mic. Uh, so we talked about how, uh, like, some of the words were related to climate change, like earth or water and air. So like, air was like polluted. Like basically, everything was polluted. Okay, in that case, uh, Johan, I think it's time to hear your piece. So, what's the title? Uh, fire. Creative. Wow. I'm guessing it's about fire, Johan. No, it's about water. Ah, oh, nah, oh. got me. Don't just bug my cover, guys. <laughs> right. The large flames engulfed the wood, warming up the people around the fire. The memory of me lighting candles without permission flooded my brain, but the smell of marshmallows took my mind off it. Very interesting. I feel like I'm there. I feel like I'm in, I'm experiencing the marshmallows and the fire. Thank you very much, Johan. Uh, Abril, do you want to share your piece? Are you going to tell us the... Are you, oh, you said you chose fire as well, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, I chose okay. fire. Hey, let's the hear title it. is called Fire. Um, 
Fire can be a beautiful aspect of Earth, but can have its ugly moments too. The burning range towards someone you hate are the wildfires that bring mass destruction. Most opinions of fire are negative, but you can also find the positive. Sitting around the campfire on bonfire night, that well-known holiday. Fire as a subject can be controversial, but in my opinion, it's best that way. Lovely stuff. Thank you so much. Lots of like little insights and thoughts rattling around there about on the nature of it. And then finally, Ellie, would you like to read us ah, your piece? You see, mine is based on Earth this time. Ah, it's a bit of variety. Elemental. As the river flows, the plants grow, the rain falls, like tears almost, crying both death and life into the beauty of this planet. As the soldiers of wood and leaves tower, a feeling of insignificance and wondering, like a favourite taste and smell, except you can only feel it when you know it's there, except everyone feels the power of nature, even if sometimes you don't. Excellent, very good. Again, nice insight into, as you said, the power of nature and feeling it and it being around you. What lovely poetry. Thank you very much. We have a little polite poetry clap. Too loud for the mics. Yeah, not not too loud. Yeah, for the, for the listeners out there with headphones. Yes, they want the gentle pitter patter of clapping. Um, excellent. Thank you very much, folks. So uh, we're going to hear a song in a sec. We've got a, an interview coming up with Alex Sobel, MP for Leeds North West. But before that, Johan, why have you chosen this uh, specific spooky track that's coming up? Um, I picked it because it was on my phone. So. Wow. 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 <laughs> Not gonna lie, Johan. And it is a scary a film. Disappointed. Which one? Hello Alex, just so you know, uh, we're going to fade this track out in about a minute's time and then we'll uh, introduce you.
hope you, we're not giving you too many chills out there at home listening to Tubular Bells from the Exorcist soundtrack. Um, Johan's pick. Hopefully he's not seen The Exorcist. It's not not it's quite a highly rate, like, you know, a, not an age appropriate film. I don't know. We'll find out later. Um, so uh, very excited in the studio. I've got uh, Ellie, Abril, um, Johan's ducked out and I'm joined by Toby again. And if, if all goes well, we are also joined by Alex Sobel. Alex, are you there? I'm here. Excellent. Welcome to East Leeds FM, Alex. Lovely to have you. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. I just got back from London because we had a Friday sitting unusually and I was there down there with the East Leeds MP voting um, to try and ban fire and rehire, but we weren't successful, unfortunately. I'm sorry to hear that. Just very briefly, do you want to just tell us a little bit about what fire, um, fire and rehire is and why you've been campaigning against it? So fire and rehire is the practice where a company, usually a big company, so British Gas is a good example, will fire part of their workforce of British Gas have done it with heating engineers, obviously really important, particularly this time of year, and then hire them back to do the same job, but for less money and worse conditions, like worse pensions, worse annual leave, worse sick pay. And we're trying to ban it so they can't do that. So if you've got your job, you've got your job, and they can't, you know, basically get rid of you and then bring you back for, for less absolutely it's such a precarious time i mean it always isn't it but a precarious time for people on these sort of contracts and uh, living in these strange working conditions so thank you very much for campaigning against it but we are here to chat to you a little bit about um, the work you've been doing on the climate crisis uh, and especially uh, the recent events down in milan so toby i think you are going to open with our first salvo uh, to mr sobel okay uh, well we'll start with uh, obviously uh, mr sobel you have been uh, to the pre-COP uh, summit. I've, I've lost you. Oh, hello. Can you? Sorry, Alex. We'll uh, we'll just shift around a little bit. Toby, do you want to come on this mic for us? Yeah. This is uh, uh, this is efficient uh, professional radio. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We've got to switch around sometimes. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, so, Alex, you have of course been to the uh, pre-COP summit uh, in Milan. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about how that went and uh, and what you saw there? Yeah, so um, we've had we had a range of events in Italy for different groups. So there was the Youth Summit, um, and I met with a couple of the the Italian delegates to the two Italian delegates from the Youth Summit. We had the Parliamentary Summit, which is what I was at, and then there was the Leaders Summit, which is probably the important one because they're the ones that make the decisions. and And each event was really to, tr- to discuss and eat for each group to get to a position they wanted to take to the actual COP in Glasgow, which is happening just 10 days from now. So my responsibility is I'm the, what's called rapporteur, which basically means the person who puts together the document for all the parliaments in the world to take to Glasgow. So the voice of the parliaments of all the MPs are heard. That's not the same as the government. So it's like the the people on the back benches of the parliaments. And the idea is we use it to influence our governments in the negotiation in Glasgow. So we had our events um, and we're sort of nearly there in terms of what we want and our demands are. And each group that had their own event in the pre-COP, it used it to, to effectively establish their positions for the COP. OK, brilliant. I'm, uh, I'm now going to hand over to Ellie for the next question. Yeah, so to get to the pre-COP summit in Milan, you took the train. So please, could you tell us a little bit more about that, kind of your experiences and what you thought about it, especially in COVID? Yeah, I mean, it was a really um, interesting experience. So um, I actually went from London rather than from Leeds. Um, 
although obviously it's very easy to travel from Leeds to London on the train. And then I went to Brussels, actually, and then to um, and then I went through Germany and then I went on a sleeper train from Germany through Austria and to Italy. Then I went back the same way. Going back, though, it was very smooth going there, but going back, there was a bit of a problem because when I got to Frankfurt, I stepped off the train and I looked at the sign and the, the train I should have got on at Frankfurt was on the ne very next platform. I looked up and it said train to Bruxelles, which is Brussels, is cancelled. So I managed to be delayed uh, for so long that I uh, got had to get the last Eurostar from Brussels and it was so late I stayed in London. And then the next day, coming to Leeds, inevitably LNER cancelled the first three trains in the morning. So it actually took me an extra whole extra day to get back to Leeds, coming back than I intended. But um, but but the experience was good. And, and in terms of COVID, um, it, like the the sleeper train was a bit awkward because um, we were all in in the in the sort of what's called a couchette. So there's four beds in the room. You don't know the other people, and you know you kept your mask on, but obviously can't. It's very difficult to sleep in a mask. So we're all there, you know, and went to sleep taking our masks off, and it was all a bit yeah, it was a bit weird. Um, probably better to do it when it's not COVID, but it all worked fine, and I had negative. I was tested all the way up and down about five times, negative all the way down, negative all the way back. So um, I've got a question next. So well, how was the like? How was the atmosphere of the actual summit, and did you actually take anything from it? Um, I think that the real, it's a much smaller sort of event, the pre-COP, than the actual COP. The real, you know, there are there are thousands, tens of thousands of people at the COP, actually. Um, and then you get a real feel for the atmosphere. I, be, I went to the COP, my first COP, was in Paris and I actually went as a council, I reckon to represent the city of Leeds and this COP I'm going to represent the British Parliament, so it's slightly different, but but the atmosphere is the same. You really get a feel if there's a re if, where how keen people are to get an agreement when you speak to the negotiators and just feel it, you know, on the public transport in the morning because everybody gets the same trains or, or you know, subway or whatever it is. Um, and um, but the pre-cop, you could feel that people were getting ready, were gearing up for the cop. So it's a bit early to say exactly where we're going to end up in Glasgow. But I've got a feeling that we're we're gearing up um, for for quite a strong cop. But there are some countries who maybe are not as ambitious as as we are here, or or some other some other countries in in say Europe or the Americas are. Um, Alex, I wanted to ask a, a conversation that we've had on this show. We've watched a, a documentary about young climate activists and something that has, has come up throughout this programme. And again, working with these fantastic young people here is about how much governments are listening. And, you know, there's definitely that swell, that movement people here have, have been campaigning um, and using different forms of art and film to make their message across. But sometimes there's that little doom at the back of the head. I know you're not a, a, a government minister, a government mm. MP, but how much do you think like this message is getting across, even compared to, as you say, the COP you went to previously in Paris, um, gearing up to the ne this next COP? Do, do you think there is, you know, the shift of hope and change, or are you like, now we, we need to really keep pushing everyone and, and double our efforts? So w what I'd say is, is, for instance, the youth climate strikes, which are two and a bit years old now in the UK, um, I went the first one in Leeds, which I think was February 2019. Um, the, 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 that's all really helped. The movement has grown a lot stronger and it's a lot broader across society than it, than it used to be. Um, and and the, you don't, what you don't get anymore, which even when I first came to Parliament, which was only four and a half years ago, is you don't get climate deniers. You don't get people saying it's not man-made, you know, it's just natural. 
that doesn't happen anymore. But what we're now worried about and why it's really important to campaign and keep the pressure up is that is that people acknowledge it and targets will be set. So we have a net zero target in this country and, and actually the, the, the global target agreed at COP is, is net zero by 2050. But but the the plans and the action that's being taken doesn't match what's needed to, to achieve that. And so we've we now we've now coined this term, which we're beginning to use and try and popularise of climate delayer. So it's somebody that will always right. say, yes, climate change is, is an emergency. It's a crisis. We need to do something. But the measures underneath, they'll try and delay them. So, you know, we've got some real big issues which have not been tackled internationally, such as aviation emissions. So that's flying international aviation international shipping most of the stuff that we buy in this country isn't made here it's got to come on a boat quite often from a long way away from from asia uh, that's a lot of emissions you know n- never mind the making of the thing but the bringing it here and there and there are no agreements over that and actually every country can like pass the hot potato around because you know the most of the flying is in international airspace most of the ships are in international waters and everybody can look at it point at everybody else and say not me gov and so, so there are there are some difficult issues, and people need to keep campaigning because we need to resolve those issues. Uh, okay, so Alex, obviously um, we look at this in a global context, but there's also at the moment a lot of discussion uh, at home about what we should do on a larger scale, what our what our government should do, uh, and of course, recently uh, the other day, uh, a Green New Deal bill was unveiled uh, in Parliament. What are your thoughts on that proposal and, and what do you think personally we need to see? What what kind of scale of action do we need to see from the UK government, not only to get other countries on board, but to transition effectively and fairly in this country? So I think there's probably three things here and two are things that have been put forward by opposition um, backbench MPs, if you like, or opposition MPs. One of them is the Green New Deal, but as you said, um, which I haven't been very involved in. The other one's a climate and ecological uh, emergency bill, which I am one of the sponsors of and I've been very involved in. And then there is the government's own net zero strategy, which was published on Tuesday, which is a 300-page document. And then there's another 29 associated documents with it. And the the thing is, is that those those bills, the, the Green New Deal bill and the Climate and Ecological Emergency bill, will only happen if the government supports them. That's the reality. And the government isn't supporting them, but the government's got its own net zero strategy. We haven't really had time, because it only came out on Tuesday, to fully analyse those. But even looking at it and reading it and looking at the tar- um, not the targets, the plans, because targets actually aren't that bad. It's the plans and need to deliver the targets. Um, it still, I think, falls short and we need to have a full scientific analysis. But but looking at it, it still falls short. And it certainly falls short of the scale of things that the Green New Deal bill and the Climate and Ecological Emergency Bill want. And and there are still, you know, so for, for instance, um, just going back to flying for a second, we have to manage demand for flying. 70% of flights are undertaken by 15% of people. So a small group of people are doing most of the flying. So we have to manage demand. So this, the government, what they want to do is they want to have, they want to have a technological solution. They want to find some fuel um, and increase efficiency of planes so they emit less carbon. That's fine, but progress is slow, uh, and who knows when we're going to get there? There, there are no accurate um, predictions when we're going to get to, to certainly to zero carbon planes. Nobody's predicting that for a very long time. So you have to manage demand so there's less flying. And, and the only ways to do that really are are to put quotas in place 
or to have what's called a frequent flyer levy. So it's 15% of people, every subsequent flight they take, that it costs them more and more because the government's taxing them on each subsequent flight. So if you go, if you're a person that goes on a holiday every couple of years, which is what most of us do, you know, flying, then then it won't really affect us. But if you're one of those people, mainly business people, who might take 50 or 100 flights a year, then, you, you know, those flights will cost tens of thousands of pounds sort of at the back end of that. And then your company or yourself might go, well, actually, it's not worth it. And I'll just go on Zoom or whatever. And but the government aren't prepared to take those sort of actions. So that's that's sort of where we're coming up short. Um, so you've said that you're coming to the Glasgow summit. That's like in 10 days or whatever. How do you th- how do you think it's going to go and what do you think it's going to be like? I think that the, the thing to, to, to remember is that, that we've got really a strategic agreement, which is the Paris one, and that is to limit um, uh, emissions. So we only see a rise in temperatures of one and a half degrees centigrade above 1990. And that is a rise, which means we won't see catastrophic climate effects. Once we're past one and a half degrees, and particularly if we're past two degrees, then things become very dicey. Uh, for for many people around the world, for most people around the world, in fact, um, and what we've seen is that the, the 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 target set in Paris, only one country of the 192 countries in the world has met their targets, and that's the Gambia, who isn't a very big emitter. And so, what we need to do is get back on track. So that means a higher level of ambition to get us back on track to one and a half degrees centigrade. And the way that you do that at a strategic level, a high level, is each country has what's called national terminal contributions. So that's the amount they will contribute to their carbon reduction. Most countries going into Glasgow have set set what their contribution is going to be for Glasgow. Some haven't. And then at the conference, it, it really is one to get to get all of them in and for the scientists to agree that that will get us back on track for one and a half degrees and then also deal with some difficult issues. So the difficult issues of two of them I've outlined, aviation, shipping. Another difficult issue is financing for countries who aren't developed who don't have so countries where maybe a large portion of the population don't even have electricity or clean water so how how do they get those things which i think you know are basic rights but without having coal-fired power stations without um you know polluting um and uh, etc and so we need funding for that and also technology transfer so those sort of those sort of are the sort of three big issues to look for and if we can get through all of those things, then it will be successful. Yeah, so on the subject of ambitions and future ideas, is there anything that you can think of that you might want to see in locally in Leeds, both for ourselves as individuals and a wider city, towns, villages? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I used to be in charge of climate in Leeds and I actually did a debate on this and mentioned a few of these things um, just yesterday. So, we, when I was in charge of climate action uh, on the council, we put um, a thousand, you might have seen some of these in East Leeds, well, you will have definitely, because there are quite a lot of them, and we put a thousand solar roofs or, you know, solar panels on roofs of council houses. So they're, the, you know, they're, they're the houses the council itself owns and rents out to people on social rents. And um, we could only, we wanted to do 7,000. We could only do a thousand because we funded them because the electricity doesn't go to the council, it goes to the person who lives in the house. Um, and, and what happens is, is that the electricity they don't use goes back into the grid. And they, the government used to have this thing called a feed-in tariff, which is money they paid um, the person that owned the solar panels, which was the council, for that extra electricity. And then the council paid over nine years, it would repay the cost of feeding those solar panels. The government cut 
the feed-in tariffs, the amount. Um, a couple of times when I was council, now I've got rid of it altogether. So the council can't afford to finish that programme. So I said actually to the minister the other day, and he said I should write to him, which I will get around to doing quite soon, that, that he would look at reinstating that for um, council and, and housing association houses, social housing. So that's one thing. That'd be massive because not only is it good for the climate, but also takes people out of fuel poverty. People who are not, you know, ter- you know, using electricity or not turning on their heating because they can't afford it. That would take reduce their bills by a significant amount. Um, some of the people I talked to were paying twenty percent of what their previous bills were who had the solar panels. So it's it's a really significant thing. Another thing, which I actually think you know we've got a big problem in Leeds with congestion and traffic and, and air quality and pollution. So, um, but a lot a lot of people drive in the city centre to park their cars for work. So Nottingham's got a, what's called a city centre car parking levy. So the businesses, if they want to have car parking spaces. They've got to pay a levy on each space they have, um, and if they don't, if they want to get, if they get rid of the spaces and reutilize that space something else, they don't pay the levy. Or if they put an electric charging point, and you know they obviously have to police that, so people with electric cars use the spaces rather than just anybody parks there, and there's just an electric charge point not doing anything. But they also they get an um, exemption for those spaces because obviously they're making an effort for reducing emissions in those cars because they don't have any what's called tailpipe emissions. Um, so so that's, I think, you know, that's something I've been calling on for years. And the council haven't really moved on at all. I'm probably a bit free to say now I'm on the council. But I said it in private and so I can say it in public. And that would also mean that we get money. So the money that you get from that levy, um, hope, hope, well, the, really the ideal thing would be that, that nobody would pay it because everybody got rid of their car parking space. But that's not realistic. But the, from, the, from the money you get from the car parking spaces, you could invest that in... Um, other things like bus transport or bike lanes or, you know, other things that, that, that mean that we have, that those people going to work would have better infrastructure and so would everybody else. Alex, thank you so much for your time. It's hugely appreciated uh, joining us here at East Leeds FM. You'll have to come visit us at Chapel FM Arts Centre at some point in the future. Absolutely. Um, although maybe we'll bump into you, uh, a few of these guys are going up to COP26 up in Glasgow. So maybe we'll see you in the middle of the throng and grab a quick interview, a soundbite of, of how you think things are going yep. up there. Um, That'd be great. Absolutely. I have been Chapel FM before, but but before I was an MP, so it'd be great to come back. <laughs> we'll give you we'll roll out the red carpet, the specific red carpet for the exactly. party. <laughs> Thank um, you so thanks much. Thank you um, right, so so uh, we're going to um, play a tune now because after this song, we're going to go into a little bit of Halloween spooky stories, tales of trick or treating um, and uh, and general uh, horror vibes um so i tell you what we won't have an ordinary life when the climate crisis hits but this is my ordinary life by living tombstones you know we love to be spooky on this show henry Yeah. 
shake my head. I'll give them stories to tell friends about the things I said. They tell me I'm so humble. I say I'm turning red. They let me lie to them and don't feel like they be misled. Thank you so much to me. I'm losing touch. Get me served on a silver platter. Ask for seconds. They just let me. They tell me I'm a god. I'm lost in the facade. Six feet off the ground. At all times, I think I'm feeling odd. No matter what I make, they never see mistakes. Making so much bread. I don't care that they're just being fake. They tell me they're below me. I act like I'm above the people blend together. But I would be lost without their love. Can you hear me? Have I gained too much? When you become untouchable, you're unable to touch. Is there a real me? Pop the champagne. It hurts me just to think, and I don't do pain. Stay still, eyes closed. Let the world just pass me by. I make pills, eyes closed. If I fall, I think I'm blind. That was uh, My Ordinary Life by The Living Tombstones, or as I wrote it in the running order, The Living Tombstones. You're listening to Red Kite on East Leeds FM as we come up to the final segments for the show. We've had a chat to Moser, we've had a chat to Alex, and now it's time to hear a little bit from these guys about their spooky Halloween tales of trick-or-treating, for tis the season for trick-or-treating. Um, so, first off, Toby, hello. Hello. It's our, it's our last the, the last Red Kite before Halloween, isn't it? It? it is the last red kite part. Now, I don't know. I'm just going to throw this out there. Are you all a bit too old for trick or treating? Absolutely. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> I know how I am. The disgust in the room. It's quite oh. scary, actually, which is very appropriate Henry. that it was scary. Henry, me and you are the old men of this place. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely yeah. too Obviously. old for trick or treating at this point. On. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Toby, regale us with a time of of, of trick or treating in well, your past. Well, um, first of all. Uh, we, we don't call it trick-or-treating. We called it going to Sainsbury's because we were too old to trick-or-treat. Uh, but what we basically did is there's a, there's a forest near where I live. So we were like, it's Halloween. It's a pitch, pitch black forest, no lighting. It's dark. It's winter. Let's go in the forest, right? It's about coming up to midnight. I don't advise you to do this at home, by the way. Um, what we do is... It's better than being rickrolled, put it that way. What we, uh, what we do is we hear noises, we hear scrabbling, we hear people, we hear men. Men are scary. <laughs> Don't want to hear men at night. So what do we do? We, uh, we start moving away. We hear a vehicle. Um, there is no road. We look at a wall behind us and there's a reddish-brown liquid trickling down the wall. So, like any uh, big brave men would do, we ran <laughs> in fear. And uh, so we we move, uh, we keep going, we hear people following us, um, dodge through a few hedges, hide for a bit, like you see in sort of World War One figurines, sort of hiding in the mud. 
eventually we escaped the forest. Uh, we went back at a later date. It didn't look nearly as scary. However, uh, we were so exhausted after running for about two miles in the pitch black. Uh, what we did is, uh, because again, it's middle of the night, no one's there. We lay splayed out on the main road just because we could. Get run over by a car. Well, there are no cars. That's the point. But uh, no, ca- no cars to offer you safety, and no cars to get you. So it just, this is fine. It cancels itself <laughs> it cancels out. Itself. Cancels itself out, Henry. Okay, excellent. Um, I don't know where that strange ominous music came from. That was a bit odd, wasn't <laughs> it? Was it? Just, <laughs> just bizarre. Every time Henry enters a room, this is what happens. Yeah. We don't know. Follows. Flanked by terrifying sounds. He's been haunted in one of his past lives. We don't know what he's been up to. Okay, Abril, do you have another... Te- is this something that happened to you or is this a spooky story? It's, it's something that someone... Uh, that kind of happened to my friend. That um, So so he was... Well, he actually wasn't trick-or-treating. He was brother who was trick-or-treating. And he was with his mates. And he, he, he used to live near a graveyard. And there was like a ginnel that had like the same kind of like forest kind of feel to it next to the graveyard. So they decided it was dark night. Went into the forest, down the ginnel. And all of a sudden, when they're walking... They um, they see this like tall black figure with like a suit and um, a black hat on, and all of a sudden um, they just stop and they see him standing there with the suit and the black hat on, and then they start running and the guy starts chasing after them. <laughs> and then they um, so then they start running and then he's running after them and they come to like this place or whatever I think it was like there was a playground or whatever, um, and. The guy stopped and they were still running, but they looked behind and he kind of like went away. So they went home and they told they told the mum and they told um, you know him what they were, that yes. what happened. And the mum said that the same thing happened to their auntie when they were the same age. So <gasps> oh, dun dun dun. Wait, no, where did that music come from though? I just all of a sudden like started like what it's, like what uh, happened? This place is haunted. Uh, we <laughs> need to leave uh, right now. Interview was a ghost. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. By old Mr. East Leeds. <laughs> old Mr. East Leeds. <laughs> um, old, the old man of East Leeds. Sorry, that's Henry. But... His first name is East and his last name Whoa. is Leeds. Whoa. So you literally so just mean. Saying, you said yourself you're an old man. I know, but it's okay when I say it. <laughs> right, no, come on. As I said, we're both we're the two old men of East Leeds. Come on, let's cause... claw back the serious dark tones of this this segment i think we've gone a bit giddy mimi have you got a terrifying tale to tell us i have got a story that i'm gonna make up and hope it sounds all right okay yeah so it was a dark night in east leeds (laughs) (laughs) yes Oh, sorry, this I don't know. Is, uh, I don't know where that music you're, came you're from. You're listening to East Leeds FM, and you've been rickrolled <laughs> again, once again. Um, sorry, Mimi. Yeah, I will put some genuine scary. No, I mean maybe scary music will just appear. No, it. Yeah, we've already established no one's actually pressing any buttons. This just happens, <coughs> Henry. <laughs> Spontaneous rickrolling, live on East Leeds FM. Okay, so it was a dark night in East Leeds. Two friends met up on the Seacroft Green. They saw this dark, ominous figure. He was tall. The thunderbolts started banging and crashing randomly. They didn't know what happened. The dark figure started moving towards them. They found the building that used to be called Chapel FM. <laughs> they ran into it. They saw stairs. They ran up. They found the closet behind the organ. Suddenly, the dark figure appeared. Boom! It was Henry all along. <laughs> Wait, 
<laughs> How did I get in the... right now? How did I get in the chapel? You haunt the place. Oh, Henry. I haunt the place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. So what, working these hours, I feel like I haunt this place. <laughs> Anyways, where was I? Uh, yeah. They start running. Henry oh, keeps wait, chasing okay, them. Sorry. Until eventually they make it to their houses. But little do they know their living room is covered with the blood of their parents. And the skeletal form Wait. of Henry Raby lurks <laughs> the corridors. Wait, so little do they know, but then they know. So they don't know, but then they do know. Right, okay. And then Henry forces them to do a broadcast about it. <laughs> and they broadcast it, and then they just go missing the H- next Henry day. appears and says, you need to learn how to do tech, I guys. D- <laughs> don't, don't, I think we've gone off track here, and I'm becoming the figure of fun. Right, they disappear, never to be seen again. And our final spooky story comes from Johan, who's put his hood up. Why are you talking like Yoda? (laughs) Yoda. Yoda. Okay. Uh, Johan, tell Um, us your tale. So for my parents, this did not happen to me. So. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been doing, man? All right. So I don't know if it's true, but apparently one of my friends was out or trick-or-treating and then... A van pulled up, and oh, no, not a van. <laughs> Very awfully scary van. You need right, some so sound effects. Was it a white van? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> he was brand? never there. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So Come on, tell us, Johan. my friend was with his other friends, so they were walking, and a van was following them. And then, <laughs> what's so funny? It's scary. <laughs> So the van was following them into and the then woods. One of them, one a guy came out of the van and then started shouting at them, and then they were getting faster and then they started running. And then when they caught, managed to nearly catch up, but they went down. I'm gonna make up this last bit. <laughs> But I, I, I was so I, in, I, I engaged was so, in the story. I was so and ratchet. Then, I was it so. And then we're all just laughing about a van. Another van comes in oh, God, and hand. takes one of the friends. <laughs> I knew it was a white van. You enjoyed it. On the side. To think they started off with stories about Henry and other things. And then. And then the feature ended. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, it is time to wrap up this edition of Red Kite. The first one for quite a while. Um, Mimi, have you enjoyed it? Have you enjoyed chatting to Mosa, finding out more about uh, her job and making, uh, not making, but like promoting films? Yeah, film industry. just a bit sad to ending because I had more stories about you. Ah, excellent. <laughs> well, as you can see, I'm rapidly moving on, so it's a shame we can't do that. That story was a cult classic and always will be. Um, Ellie, um, how are you looking? Are you looking? You going to join us for Next Generation groups coming up in a couple of weeks? Absolutely, definitely. I mean, that's if Hem- that's if Henry doesn't get us first. If don't get you first. Oh. Well, you will be coming to join, so you will definitely yes. be here and I gettable with here. the skills of radio making. Yes, with yes. the skills of radio making. Don't, don't, just for anyone thinking of signing up for our groups, don't worry. Henry is not actually like <laughs> no. a cadaver. Am I not crazy? Around. Just just to clarify that. <laughs> it's just a Halloween story. I made it up off the top of my But he is scary when he's angry Ellie uh, I'm trying to hold this ship together um, 
Ellie, what's one thing you're looking forward to getting back into regular weekly sessions? Are you looking at some creative writing, more broadcasting? I'm what's your vibe? Looking forward to everything that improves my social life and is somewhere to go on a probably not even Wednesday night, a night in the week. Thursday. You know, yeah, on a Thursday. And if you want to join, come on, it's fun. Come it's, join us. Yeah, it's something to do. We can make more scary stories. We can. Well, that'll be next year because it won't start to November. No, but November. The, hold on, yeah. Hold on, November, November. Um, Bonfire night where we um, set a fire in the studio. Johan, uh, I'm going to ask you, what's something that you've really enjoyed over this past year you've been involved that like has stuck with you about coming here getting involved East Leeds FM. Um, I've just really enjoyed uh, the laughs at uh, broadcasting. Um, Getting to speak on the radio? Uh, yeah, and the stories that we all share. I agree. Yes. Fun- funniest red kite ever. Hearts. Excellent. <laughs> Nothing um, can beat this red kite in humour. No, it's pretty much nailed. Uh, Abril, I'm yeah. going to come to you. Um, what's something that you'd you'd want us to look at in, uh, in in? Are you looking at more different types of music? Are you looking at maybe more interviews? Would you want more creative writing? What's something you'd want us to bring in these sessions? Um, I like I like to see like the new music, mom. You kind of like music because we've got we've got the new music director coming in. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see what they'd actually be able to do. Like maybe do more songwriting. Maybe mm-hmm. do some more like composition. Maybe you know both. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent. Yeah, we've got the new music worker is uh, is currently being interviewed. So good luck out there, music worker potentials. Um, and f- and finally, fun. Toby, um, what uh, what you got planned for Teen Music coming up on Tuesday? Uh, okay. Well, we'll have to see. Obviously, we'll talk about what happens in the chart. Is Adele the new number one? In fact, Google it, Mimi. We'll find out right now. Uh, who's number one right now? I was adding to my calendar about well, team music. No, we'll have a look. But uh, we'll talk about the chart. Uh, we will hopefully have some people getting involved, particularly if any of these lovely people decide to come down. Uh, and you're, of course, welcome to come down five o'clock Tuesday uh, to get involved. And uh, please do get involved with some of the groups and things like that here. Um, no, that's that's oh, not the chart. Do c- come get involved with some of the things here. Uh, there's some really good groups. There's something for everyone. Obviously, I'm about broadcasting, but if you like music, you just like socialising, loads of great people, come on down to the chapel. Excellent. Well, pop along to chapelfm.co.uk. Um, you probably listen to this on, on, on the website, so you're already there. But look at courses. We've got a taster session on Thursday, and we've also got uh, the Next Generation group starting up on the 4th of November. What What is the number one in the UK I, I can't have you got a suspense I, oh, no, wait, drone I can I can it's, confirm it's, it's if, if. Okay, as predicted the UK's official number one if you don't hurry up I'll take over just saying right okay as predicted the UK's official number one is Easy On Me by Adele Woo! Well, 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 Adele well, I was going, to, I was going to play it, but we've already played it. So, oh. do you want to play, wanna play the number play two? Again. No. Again. Instead, we're going to play my favourite Halloween song by Zombina and the Skeletones. Thank you very much, folks. Check out other Red, Cad, Red Kite podcasts. We're supported by the Peers Foundation. Thank you very much to Mimi, Johan, Ellie, Abril, and uh, Toby. I've been Henry. This is Red Kite, and this is Nobody Likes You When You're Dead. Bye. <laughs>